Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you all right? Well, I'm pleased to report that the results of the PCR test was negative, so life could return back to normal. Thank goodness. Uh, what a time it's been, though. Yes, it was all a bit. It was all a bit crazy, um, but but we got through it. Um, now I've decided. I got it into my mind that the sound quality still wasn't good enough with this podcast, so I invested in something called an isolation booth which I thought would be very fancy and thought when it arrives, it'd be something that maybe I go and stand in like I'm recording at the BBC. No, I had obviously opted for the cheap version, which was flat pack, vacuum seal bits of foam, which then I had to immerse in water, squeeze out all the bubbles and then dry. Sounds simple enough. Let me tell you how long it takes these pieces of foam to dry out. My family are complaining about the smell of this drying foam. I've tried it drying in the bath, in the shower. Couldn't put it outside because it was too cold. Not not good drying weather, as my mother would say. I even put the put them in the airing cupboard. But uh, no, it's taken so long. Um, and I hope it sounds better. But if it doesn't, I've just kind of lost lost the will now. It's like... I'm looking into like a black box filled with, it looks like egg boxes made of foam. Anyway, who knows? Hey ho. So that's where I am today. I've got some very interesting books to talk to you about. But before I go on to those, let me tell you what others in the podcast Facebook group are listening to. So if you go onto Facebook, look up QuickBook Reviews. There's our lovely Facebook group there. And uh, recently we've had Julie's reading The Couple at Number Nine by Claire Douglas. Laura's just finished Girl A by Abigail Dean. Um, Nick's reading Need to Know by Karen Cleveland. Joe's reading Hostage by Claire McIntosh. Joe, let me know about that one because it didn't do it for me. Helen's reading Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Lefteri. We've got Claire. Claire's listening to Mrs. Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce and loving it so far. Uh, Ace is uh, reading, not listening, Philippa. Ace is reading The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. Rob is reading And Away by Bob Mortimer. Uh, Johan's reading Where the Forest Meets the Stars. And she's currently enjoying that. Now, that was one that really 
floored me or the ending really mm, I, I just didn't know what to make of it so Jahan when you finish reading that book please let me know what you thought and if you thought the girl was real or an alien <laughs> please tell me I need to know if you haven't heard me talk about that, that book you'll be wondering what on earth I'm blabbering on about but there we are um Cindy's reading Long Bright Liv- River Hmm, it is going to be one of those days. Let's just remind ourselves on what Philip is operating on. Have I had a cup of tea yet? No. Have I had coffee yet? No. Have I had breakfast yet? No. Okay, so apologies. Cindy is reading Long Bright River by Liz Moore. Lauren's reading What's Left of Me is Yours by Stephanie Scott. And Deb is reading Christmas's Murder by Val McDermott. Lots of interesting books there. So what books am I talking to you about? Well, hold on to your hats for this. So the first one is a book by Joe Love and it's called Therapy Is dot 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 magic. Wow, great book. And we're going to talk to Joe today, which is going to be great. Um, also, I've got a bit of a theme here with this next one, but this is also about mental health. But this is a fiction, Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. And I listened partly to the audiobook version of that as well. Next we have, this is a strange one, but this is Brian and Me, Life on and Off the Archers by Charles Collingwood. You probably know I do this other podcast, Dumpty Dum, about the archers. So I thought it'd be interesting to read more about uh, Charles, who plays the part of Brian. And finally, oh no, not finally, Philippa, what are you saying? Then I listened to The Dark Hours by Michael Connolly. I listened to that on audiobook. Lots to talk to you about that one. And then finally, Invite Me In by Emma Curtis. So quite a selection, as you can see. Let's start with Therapy is Magic. Now I'm balancing those books. I'm going to put them down because balancing books on my knee is a bad idea. Here we go. Listen to this. Listen to this. In this part memoir, part toolkit, Joe Love, mental health advocate and trainee psychotherapist, shares her experiences, shines a light on the process and offers an honest exploration into the many facets of talking therapy. Joe strives to encourage others like her to begin their therapy journey, expand their understanding and reap the life-changing benefits. With help from experts, including her very own therapist, Joe opens a window into the real world of therapy, unpicking the path that enables her to rediscover her own voice, restore her resilience through the cloudiest days and ultimately save her from her own mind. Uh, let's do a sentence because we do like to do that. I'm gazing out of my car window at a nondescript suburban street on the London-Essex border in the watery July morning light. The sun is still low and a fragile stillness hangs in the morning air as if the world is holding its breath in anticipation of the soon-to-come accelerated pace of the day. But my body feels none of this tranquility. It is on edge. Actually, that was three sentences, but I felt I just... Well, I just want to keep reading it to you. This is, oh, this is so different because, um, as I go on to say when I talk to Joe. In my mind, this was a self-help book and self-help books are ones that I think will fix me. This didn't fix me, but it showed me that there is there is something that I want to, to you know, it just encouraged me to think about therapy. Um, it's just a it's a, an honest book. It's well written. It's got lots of helpful different sections. So it breaks it up. Um, it's not one that you read and you think, oh, my goodness, this is 
so awful I can't bear to go on. She's dealing with some terrible subjects um, that she's experienced, that she's gone through, and yet she does it in such um, a kind, warm way. She sort of takes you along with her on the journey, if that makes sense. It's a gorgeous pink book uh, with some gold on it as well. So uh, it's a lovely looking book. And what will I do with this book? Well, I'm keeping it, but this is a book that I think I'm going to buy and give as Christmas presents because it's one that so many people, oh, no, it's not for therapy, it's not for me. This is just a very gentle way of saying, actually, maybe it is. Um, so let's go and talk to Joe now. So Joe Love, author of Therapy Is magic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I have to start with a really basic, silly question. And in some ways, in many ways, the book answers it. But for those who haven't read it yet, what made you want to write this book and write it now? That is such a good question. I haven't asked that, actually. So I um, have talked about mental health online for a long time. And one of the many threads of that has been therapy. And I realised the more I talked about therapy, the more um, people just were super fascinated with it and interested in it. And I realised that there are a lot of myths still hanging around and we're very mental health awareness has moved on so much. But actually accessing support, I get asked the same questions all the time. Like, how do I find a therapist? What happens in the first session? What does it actually feel like? And I, um, yeah, so for a long time, I was talking talking about this, answering these questions, but they feel like really big things. Like my, I have a whole chapter on the first session hmm. because there's just so much and it's too much to, um, it's, it felt like too much to answer in a DM or answer in a little grid post. And I've tried little series every now and again. No, this is a book. <laughs> this is a book. And also, um, years and years and years ago, I, and I talk about this in the book, I found, I'd had therapy for years, but I found the one, the therapist that changed it. And I've heard a lot of people talk about this because it is about the relationship, but they, they suddenly it clicks. And uh, I had almost the ultimate aha moment of, oh this is what good therapy good therapist right time for me for them for the universe whatever wow and it was like this penny drop moment and I then became really quite evangelical because I've been such a cynic almost before um I've been in therapy various times and it had all not been great for many reasons which I do talk about in the book but then when there was this aha, I became like, completely evangelical and I wanted to talk about it. So in a bid to like, I basically wanted to take people into my therapy office, but I knew that I couldn't do that. That, that would be a big no-no um, for my own boundaries, but also obviously my therapist would not like that. <laughs> so I used to sit in my car before I went into therapy and just say, always therapy Thursday, therapy Thursday, this is how I'm feeling, whether I'm feeling nervous about it, whether my heart was racing, whether there was something I thought I wanted to talk about, whether, oh crap, I don't think I've got anything, what's going to happen? All of those, like trying to normalise all those feelings that people have before they go into a therapist's office, even when it's a great therapist. And then I come out and do a little debrief, very boundaried, so I wouldn't go into the session and the nitty gritty. But I wanted to show people, because my perception had been, and I was going for a mental illness at that point in time. I was deep in postnatal depression. But I wanted to show that you think that you're going 
for postnatal depression and that you should only be talking about postnatal depression. And I was like, no, I spoke about my mother-in-law for 50 minutes or, and gosh, the interaction that people then were like, oh, that's what therapy is. So that's a very long and waffly answer, but essentially there was just so much there. And also I felt that there wasn't anything and there might be out there. It might be. But I didn't feel like there was anything out there from the client perspective. A lot of therapy books are brilliant, but a lot are also very dry. Or even if they are brilliant, they're they're from the thera- therapist's eyes and, and it like perspective, from that chair, from the other side of the room. And that can feel really intimidating, even when it's in a book. And I, I'm not an expert at all. I'm still learning on the other side of things but I realized that I had a lot of expertise of sitting my butt on that proverbial couch and knowing and the things I wish I had known and I wanted to share it because I genuinely think it would have helped um to know like how like what you can say to your therapist what you can't say to your well there's nothing you can't say but how to leave therapy how like all these things or therapy hangovers no one tells you about them but everyone experiences this mm, not always but you know, anyone who's been in therapy for any length of time at some point will have a huge crash after a therapy session. And if you don't know it's happening, you think, and my mum said to me, I must be doing it all wrong. I'm like, no, you're doing it all right. (laughs) It means something's happening. Um, So I wanted to write it all down. And why now? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's always needed. And like I just said at the beginning, mental health awareness is really moving on and it's brilliant to see but there's these little pockets that are still like, but how? Yes, it's great. We're all talking about it. But what But what next? Dot, dot, dot. Like, what's the, what do we do about it? And I had this feeling for a really long time of, as I was talking about mental health for a very long time, awareness raising is just part of the picture. You've got to be giving resources. You've got to be signposting, which is what I do on my on my social media but this is like an extension of that and almost becoming a therapist myself is another extension of that you it 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 it's great that work but it's only one little part of the jigsaw puzzle that's going to actually ultimately help people reach out and get support and I think what was so different about the book for me is that it it's it's not like other self-help books which you think are going to give you the answer and then they don't so you're constantly looking for a key to fit the lock on the door your book actually made me think oh hang on I'm looking at the wrong door here Mm. and I'm the key to open the door it was just quite a change and it it was yeah very interesting to read that's a really interesting perspective because they always say like therapy in in therapy I even talk about this in the book don't I you know, I wish I wish I'd known that they're not there to fix you or give you the answers or give you advice. It took me a really long time to work out that, and I thought like she would know it all. She has it all, and why is she not telling me? What you know, she must. She's the expert, but actually, we're the experts on us, and they're just there helping. They have tools, sure. They do have a lot of knowledge about what might be happening, but ultimately, it's us who. Hmm they're trying to help to get to know ourselves and know what the right thing is and oh my god that took a lot of mental jiggling of like what so maybe the book is sort of doing that on some level as well of yeah you've you've got it you've got that power to to make it happen 
Exactly. Instead of expecting a book to fix me, mm. you know, this instant solution, like I expect a book on dieting when I finish reading it to have lost weight. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not how and it works. Yeah. And a lot of people, actually, people did say that to me in the writing process of, you know, so it's self-help. And I'm like, mm, no, mm. no. And it did make me go, oh, crap, should it, should it be? But I'm not the expert. <laughs> So, um, and there is a tiny, tiny, tiny bit where I asked my therapist, I said, okay, what about people who can't access therapy currently? They're on a very long waiting list or they're having a gap. They, or they want private therapy, can't afford it. You know, what are the things that from your expert opinion can help? Not necessarily fix, but can help. So there's a little, there's a little, um, there's a little list in there of things that came from her. Because again, I, I didn't want people reading the book and just being left completely. Um, but that was a very small part of it. Essentially, it's reach out and get some support and there is some support out there. You're very honest in the book. And, and I applaud that because it means uh, certainly I trust you. Uh, you know, you bring me on alongside and I trust you. Presumably that was deliberate and that was just who, who you are and how you had to approach the book. Yeah, I mean, I've always so a lot of my story is in there. Um, not all of it, but all of the all of the sort of pinch points, all of the reasons that I ended back up in therapy. And I thought it was really important to share that. I have got very comfortable in sharing my mental health journey. I don't like that word, but it, that's what it is. Um, talking about my mental health, and I've seen how powerful that is when you hear you might not have had exactly the same experience or you might have done a lot of people it really resonates a lot of the things that we're not unique and we often tackle a lot of the same problems as humans don't we so I knew that that was really important to put in the book but I didn't want that to be the book in and of itself I wanted because that's a memoir and that's got a those plate they they that is memoirs is a huge business and got places in the world but I really wanted it to be a toolkit as well, like a, a help, this whole signposting, this whole resources. It needed to be useful. Um, and just me being able to impart some of the stuff. But the story was really important. Um, but I didn't want it to be everything. I wanted it to. And, and, and actually thinking about it now, like, actually, I'm really honest with my story. And then. I can see how that would help a reader. I hadn't thought about it till you said it, but help a reader then know that there's honesty in the practical side of it as well. And it, it keeps you gripped. I mean, I started reading the book. I was sitting in the car waiting for someone to come out of a medical appointment I'd taken them to. And I thought, I'll try reading it here, but I'm not. And then yeah. I was so annoyed because the person came out of their appointment. I was like, no, I want to read this book. Just go back in and ask another medical question. Um, let's talk about the title. Yes. How did that come about? Oh, well, it was very easy, actually, because as I talked about earlier, the me being in my car doing therapy Thursdays, I found myself so many times coming out being like debrief time. And the first, almost the first thing I would say was, therapy's oh, magic. <laughs> oh, like that feeling. And you don't get it every time. And I'm really honest about that. But there is, for me, a lot of the time I'll come out of therapy and feel like, like a weight has 
actually a physical weight has been lifted off my shoulder or I see it like a valve like a valve a valve somewhere the pressure is like mm. and it's oh, that feeling that post-therapy feeling and I I just always said it therapy is magic therapy is magic Thera- therapy is not magic therapy is magic and the therapy is not magic it's I, I make very clear throughout the book that there is no magic yeah. one yeah. way pixie no dust well no incantation <laughs> wouldn't that be nice and also you don't get fixed at the end of it anyway even if but it feels like there's something in it that feels so even when it's hard it feels kind of magical and now I've got my other hat on of training to be a therapist it sort of lifts the veil a little bit it's a bit like Wizard of Oz and I'm looking (laughs) under the curtain and seeing the levers because there are things that therapists do do to enhance the relationship but still like even this week yesterday I was on my course and my tutor said therapy is magic and everybody in the room looked at me and I was like oh that's embarrassing but he didn't he didn't pick up on what he'd said (laughs) um because there is this feeling even from the professionals of wow and something so powerful when I say it's like simple ingredients of like two humans 50 minutes of time and loads of other ingredients like empathy and unconditional positive regard and compassion and great listening but you know there's something just wonderful but it's why the title is therapy is and then there's an ellipsis dot 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 magic because I didn't want it to be therapy is magic fact and I was interested with the times that you came out and sat in the car and just thought oh yes that was magic were those the times when you went in heavily burdened and knowing what you needed to talk about or were they more the times when you went in thinking oh I don't know what I've got to talk about and then woof it all comes out Um, I mean both really but I do think that there's something in that latter one of not uh, the amount of times I thought well I don't know I think I've got very much to talk about today or what either or what the hell am I going to talk about but often in that not really much going on and then (laughs) come out and I'm like whoa okay I didn't know that was in there um so both but yeah definitely feel I I feel that it's it's in those sessions sometimes where you really don't know what and there's no pre-planned little I do think that there's something if you're worrying about potentially getting having nothing to say there's there's some benefit in having something you know clearing your thoughts beforehand maybe making some notes whatever but in later years uh, I have found that in those ones where I'm not thinking so much and especially now that I'm doing and I don't talk about this in the book but I think it's interesting um like lots more body work so when I say that I mean like where am I feeling things in my body and describing those feelings and where they are so not like oh I feel sadness it's like there's a real ache in this bit and going really deep into that and it might sound a bit woo and it might sound a bit strange but our body holds so much and if you've read the body keeps score or know any about like how trauma and uh, emotions are stored in our body it makes so much sense and it's something that I am so interested in and I'm finding actually when I take some of the words 
out of things obviously you have to articulate something too but when I take some of the narrative the story sometimes I come into my therapist's office and sit there and I'm like this week and I'm all up here I'm all in my head I'm tapping my head and I'm not down here I'm not in my body and it they need to connect up and sometimes if I'm too in my in my head I never get to the I never get to the core so sometimes when you start start with a body listen to what it's trying to communicate to me that is really powerful and then I come out and I'm like whoa (laughs) did not know that was lurking in there how interesting wow amazing and you also talk um about uh, and you mentioned it already about how not every therapist is the right one for you um and that was sort of a newsflash for me that someone might have tried therapy and it not gone terribly well and then thought oh well that's yeah. it therapy's not for me can you just elaborate a little bit on that totally and it's one of sort of my I don't want to say frustrating because I do understand it but I do f- find myself feeling flash of irritation or frustration when I hear oh yeah I tried it and I had six weeks of CBT and it was just a bit rubbish and didn't it, I, like not for me and I'm like ah because it's not I'm not bad-mouthing CBT here but CBT is where a lot of people are pushed and it can really, I mean, it does work, but it can um, be not useful at that point in your life or for what you need to talk about or the issues that you're presenting. Um, <clears throat> so, and because we talked, we touched on this, the relationship is so important in therapy, more so than the actual technique of what type of therapy you're having. Type of therapy is important, as I've just said, but the actual relationship that you have human to human um, is one of the most important things for a successful outcome in therapy. That you might just not have clicked on some fundamental basis. It doesn't mean that you hated them, but it's two humans and that can happen. And oh, I just, I hear, oh yeah, I tried it, it's not for me. I'm like, oh, it's for everybody. It is for everybody, but maybe not at this point in time maybe not with that type of therapy or therapist um and that's what I hope with the book of me showing all the times where it didn't work and for all the reasons that it didn't work some of which were mine some of which were theirs some of which was a combination it's it's hopefully normalizing that it's okay for it not to work and it doesn't mean that it's not for you at some point it is always there. And I, I think there's a line in the book where I'm like, it's like therapy was always there holding out its hand, trying to like get me, this lifeline was kept being thrown at me. And sometimes I was rejecting it. Most of the time I was rejecting it, for, even though I was in it, rejecting it, not wanting, not wanting it. Um, but when it really works, when you grab hold, when you go in and the right person's on the other end of that life, like that rope pulling you in, it's amazing and it's incredible. So yeah, it is a bit frustrating when I hear that, but I think it's very normal for people to think as we would with anything. Yeah, I've tried that and I didn't like it, but I think that's the huge, huge, huge lesson that I wish I'd known earlier. Cause I thought also thought that I was doing therapy wrong. Mm. I just thought I probably was, but <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, I wasn't open. I, I wasn't ready. <clears throat> so 
it, I, I hope the book shows people that it's okay to keep trying and keep looking. And when people finish reading the book, what would they? What would you like them to do next? I mean, should everyone immediately be um, googling their mm. a, a therapist, or you know, what next? Well, part of me wants to say yes, <laughs> but also acknowledge that. And I talk about this in the book of. It might not be the right time for you. It might not be. And you might not want to change. You might be totally okay. Um, or you just might not be ready. And that's okay. Um, so I think, personally, I think everyone could benefit from therapy. And we, I, I think even if you're going to find joy or celebrate yourself, or, you know, I go now for my mental wellness, not mental illness and it's there for that it is so available for that and everybody could get something maybe we want to speak kinder to ourselves it's not doesn't need to be this great big huge thing Mm. um but I also say in the book if people are just able I would be I would see it as a win if people just felt a little bit more comfortable talking even just to themselves about their mental health um that's fabulous that's really good that's really powerful Uh, and okay so that's what people should do when they finish the book when you finished it when you finished writing it how did you feel what 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 was it like (laughs) um well I wrote it in lockdown basically so I was homeschooling and it was horrendous (laughs) (laughs) when I finished well so there's you you as you probably know like when you finish a book it's really hard to know when the actual finishes so when I finished the first draft that was the end of the longest summer holidays it felt ever because they've pretty much been off school since March so and which is basically when I got the book deal so I I was utterly exhausted when the first draft but then you go straight into like the editing process and I had a really big chunk it was you know and it flip-flops back and forth between editor and, and and author and I had this massive, massive chunk to do um, over Christmas. But how interesting after doing that, that you then decided that the route you wanted to pursue was um, uh, getting qualified as a therapist rather than a teacher. You know, that was your outcome of lockdown. Not a teacher. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, what it showed me is that I I think, and a lot of parents, um, the, the the very last thing on earth I should do is be a teacher, at least of my own child. Anyway, <laughs> and so what next? Last question: What what are you working on? Another book? Oh, there's an idea. Uh, there's an idea which I probably shouldn't say because I've said to my publisher, "Never again." I'm never writing a book. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think with my studies, um, it's sensible just to because this is a long, long process. Um, I'm writing an essay right now that has to be in next week and that is a few thousand words as well so I've got lots of writing going on um so I think listening to myself being giving myself space and compassion for what the hell just happened (laughs) um but yeah I wouldn't rule out another book I have totally ruled out in the past I've said no no never again but I, I I think there might be but I think it would be nice to do something um obviously mental health related but it would be nice in the future maybe to do something flipping the chair back and being 
from when I am qualified and, and, and have experience. If there's an appetite and a market for it, I, you know, who knows? But um, yeah. There's lots of other ideas as well. Interesting. We'll we'll wait to see. Well, Joe Love, author of Therapy is dot 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 magic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh no, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So now we go on to the second book today, which is called Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. And this is, as I said earlier, it's a fiction book. It's a story, but it is about it is about mental health. Um, I had heard lots of people talking about this book and I had got a copy and I've been meaning to read it. And then I saw on BBC Sounds they were doing it as they really condensed the book. Um, and it was just 15 minute bursts over the week. And I started listening to the first one and the way it was done was just so entrancing for me. They set it, they set music to it in parts. The I can't call her a narrator, the actor who did it was I just had the part I felt so, so much of the main character. Um, 
And I did try listening to the main audio book because the problem is, while BBC Sounds are great when they feature these books, they are so condensed that there's so much of the story that you miss. So in listening to that, I thought, actually, I do want to read the whole book. And I did try listening to the audiobook of the full version. And it's narrated by uh, Amelia Fox. Um, she's great. I think she's super in so many different things. But for me, she she wasn't the character that the actor was on BBC Sounds. I'm waffling quite a bit, but it, it didn't it didn't work for me. The the book worked for me. Um anyway, let's let's go. Let's let's do the blurb for you. Everyone tells Martha Friel she's clever and beautiful, a brilliant writer who has been loved every day of her adult life by one man, her husband Patrick, a gift her mother once said not everybody gets. So why is everything broken? Why is Martha, on the edge of 40, friendless, practically jobless and so often sad? And why did Patrick decide to leave? Maybe she's just too sensitive someone who finds it harder to be alive than most people, or maybe, as she's long believed, there's something wrong with her, something that broke when a little bomb went off in her brain at 17 and left her changed in a way that no doctor or therapist has ever been able to explain. Forced to return to her childhood home to live with her dysfunctional bohemian parents, but without the help of her devoted foul-mouthed sister Ingrid, Martha has one last chance to find out whether a life is ever too broken to fix or whether maybe by starting over she will get to write a better ending for herself. Let me find the first sentence for you. At a wedding shortly after our own, I followed Patrick through the dense crowd at the reception to a woman who was standing by herself. He said that instead of looking at her every five minutes and feeling sad, I should just go over and compliment her hat, even if I don't like it. He said, obviously, Martha, you don't like anything. Come on. I enjoyed this book. It's not, um, it's not a pacey one. There are times when I think, gosh that it's going on a bit, but there's a purpose to it. And it's a book that's one of those journeys that you're left sort of a bit changed as a result. And you learn things and um, develops about the family and about Martha. I thought it was really good. It's a book that isn't for everyone. Because if you are looking, as I say, for the Pacey thriller, or what's the big reveal, or how, who gets murdered, who was the murderer... You're not going to have that here. In some ways, you could say it's a gentle story, but in other ways, it's a gut-wrenching book. Um, I'm just keen to read more about mental health, and I thought it was I thought it was good. If you're unsure, and if you can access the BBC Sounds app, listen to the first 15 minutes, and I think that will summarise the, the feeling of the book beautifully as to whether it's something you, you want to read. I'm, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad I read it. Um, so there, there you go. See, see what you think about that one. Now I'm going to zip across to Michael Connolly, The Dark Hours. I love this book so much. OK, so this is I think it's the first in the Ballard and Bosch book, but I'm sure there would be more. I think it's the 23rd book in the Bosch that has Bosch. Anyway, basically, it's down the road. There's been lots of books before it. And um, while I listened to... Uh, one book, I've forgotten the name of it now, uh, that was set when the pandemic was just starting, um, that was more about, included the Lincoln lawyer um, 
and I love that one. I haven't been keeping up to date on the Bush books. I've really fallen behind and I didn't know when to start listening to it again or reading it again. So I was just like, Philippa, just jump into this one and let's see. Let's see if it works. Can I jump into this book and just enjoy it? Listener, I did. I loved it. Um, I thought the narrator was good. The pace of this book uh, was super. It's set at a time sort of now-ish where the the first impact of the pandemic has happened and it's a case of well for example you know uh, which people in the police force are wearing masks which aren't um it, it's that sort of more gentle side of things it's not full on you haven't got covid wards to deal with you've just got oh they're wearing a face mask oh they're not sort of thing um here's the blurb anyway Has a killer lain dormant for years only to strike again on New Year's Eve? LAPD Detective René Ballard and Harry Bosch team up to find justice for an innocent victim in the new thriller. There's chaos in Hollywood on New Year's Eve. Working her graveyard shift, LAPD Detective René Ballard seeks shelter at the end of the countdown to wait out the traditional reign of lead as hundreds of revellers shoot their guns into the air. As reports start to roll in of shattered windshields and other damage, Ballard is called to a scene where a hard-working auto shop owner has been fatally hit by a bullet in the middle of a crowded street party. It doesn't take long for Ballard to determine that the deadly bullet could not have fallen from the sky. Ballard's investigation leads her to look into another unsolved murder a case at one time worked by Detective Harry Bosch. Ballard and Bosch team up once again to find out where the old and new cases intersect. All the while, they must look over their shoulders. The killer, who has stayed undetected for so long, knows they are coming for him. Right, let's do the first sentence. It was supposed to rain for real, and that would have put a dampener on the annual rain of lead. But the forecast was wrong. I really, as I say, I really enjoyed it. I thought the narrator was spot on. Um, I liked the fact that it mentioned COVID, but it wasn't full on COVID. I liked the reveals. I liked the pace. I liked the oh my goodness moments. Uh, I liked the characters, um, Rene and Bosch, all, all good. Yeah, thumbs up. I thought it was really good. Uh, obviously, as I say, that was an audiobook. I haven't read the the written version. That might be different in the delivery. Um, but if you're into audiobooks and you like detective ones, Michael Connolly is the man. So there, there we go. Let's put that one down. Next, we have Brian and Me, Life On and Off the Archers by Charles Collingwood, an autobiography. Um, so here, here we go. Charles Collingwood is a philanderer, a heartbreaker, a cad who has fathered a child during a torrid affair and kept the nation enthralled with his antics. But that's just his day job. Instantly recognisable by his voice alone, upper-class polish with just a hint of naughty wickedness, meet the man behind Brian Aldridge, the J.R. of Ambridge, for a warm, funny journey through a parallel life. After a somewhat shaky showbiz start, which included a job in a grocery store and a hilarious brush with the beautiful Countess, Charles has become a favourite of Radio 4 listeners everywhere, both as Brian and as a regular guest on panel shows um, as Just a Minute, such as Just a Minute and Quote Unquote. Uh, 
Happily married to fellow Archers cast member Judy Bennett for over 30 years, his romantic capers before their fateful meeting are told with affectionate humour and his family stories, including shipwrecks, financial ruin and a house devastated by fire, are fascinating. Go behind the scenes of the world's longest-running soap opera and share hilarious stories from the world of show business, told with wit and great charm by the man described by one eminent critic as relentlessly anecdotal. So let's go to the introduction. Who was it who said that to be a successful actor, you need 10% talent and 90% luck? No idea. But my luck changed when I met actress Judy Bennett, later to become my wife, and landed the role of Dave Escott in The Archers. That led to me being asked back to play Brian, and I shall never forget my first day in character. So if you like The Archers, you'll love this book. If you're not a fan of The Archers, but you still like hearing about how well-known actors started out, how they got on training to be an actor, uh, all the different sort of gigs that they've had. It it was a lovely read, I thought. I enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just interesting to hear all that he went through, his different experiences, um, some of the funny stories. Yeah, if you wanted an after-dinner speaker, I think he'd be, be very good at it. So yes, there we go. Brian and me, live on and off the archers. And finally, we have Invite Me In by Emma Curtis. Here's the blurb. To those who think they know her, Eliza Curran has it all. Two healthy children, a stunning home and a wealthy, adoring husband. No one could guess the reality of her life, trapped in an unhappy marriage to a controlling man. She longs for a way out. When she takes on a new tenant, her life changes unexpectedly. Dan Jones is charming and perceptive and quickly becomes a close friend to the whole family. But Dan's arrival threatens to tip Eliza's fragile world out of balance. And when someone has as many secrets as Eliza does, the smallest slip could destroy everything. Uh, let's do the first sentence. The room is filled with summer sunshine. I'm going to say it. This this wasn't a book that I enjoyed, um, but it's probably because of it's the sort of psychological thriller that I that isn't for me. Um, it's, this isn't one I'm going to tag the author in. It just I felt uncomfortable. I didn't connect to the story it it just wasn't me but that is totally me if you're really into your psychological thrillers and you like what the blurb was about then you might really enjoy it um have a read let me know what you think i'd be keen to know about about that one so there we go i think that's yes we've gone through quite a lot today so we have reviewed therapy is magic by joe love sorrow and bliss by meg mason uh, Michael Connolly, The Dark Hours, Brian and Me, Life on and Off the Archers by Charles Collingwood and Invite Me In by Emma Curtis. So I just need to let you know what's coming up because next week will be the Christmas one. Uh, so I'll be telling you what Christmas books I've liked, what if there have been any that I haven't liked. And I, once more hosting that with Lauren and the books just because I uh, hosted last Christmas book one with Lauren and got such great feedback. Lawrence agreed to come back on so that's going to be very exciting and that will be that's the 20th Monday the 20th of December and then I've got two weeks off so there's going to be two Mondays when you don't get a podcast from me a book podcast anyway from me so apologies for that but I'm just having a bit of a break because then I'm going to be back and so then the first one will be out probably I think it's about the 10th of January 
got a great author. And in that episode as well, not only am I going to be telling you the best books of this year, of 2021, um, but also what books I'm excited about for 2022. I've got author interviews booked in. We're certainly well into April. Um, so there's I'm not going anywhere. I'm just having a couple of weeks break away from the book one, just to have a bit of time and to start reading more books to talk to you about. So Christmas next week, a couple of weeks off, and then we'll be looking at best of, um, which I'm really excited about. So that's me for this week. Look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one ever. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details